I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Any sin currently sweeping you off your feet? Don't that be some big sin? It's any sin you're allowing to continue in your life. Any sin currently sweeping you off your feet. We'll be talking about that this morning because this is all part of the LPG, the Lord's Prayer Guide. Our omnifaceted Father has designed so many parallels to help us uh, grasp His intrinsic qualities. And so, thank you very much to our, our precious LPG, the Lord's Prayer Guide that Jesus gave us. We can begin our day, each and every day, adoring our dad with a personal, relational greeting. I find myself doing this now. I can't open prayer without doing these two things. Uh, and then immediately revering our creator with humble, fearful, God-fearing, heartfelt worship while recommitting to trusting our hallowed Father God, His holy name, as outlined in the first two bits, and then nobly kneeling to our King to plan today's advancing in our corner of His kingdom while pursuing our Lord, our Master's will, in this day's decisions. By asking and seeking our bread of life, and by confessing our mess-making to our judge to wipe our slate clean as we are overcoming evil like our mentor by forgiving our mess-makers, those who trespass against us and trample us, and then pledging to follow our shepherd to both evade the avoidable and defy the inevitable temptations du jour, the temptations of the day, that, that will come about. That's why it's a daily prayer. Daily prayer. And that's where we are right now. We left off a couple Sundays ago. We had that little blizzard. But what about the sin we're caught up in and struggling against? You know, that's it's too late to pray, lead me not into. And I ask for forgiveness, but there's some sin I just, either I'm ignoring or I'm just avoiding the fact that I know I'm not leaving it. And I got to tell you, what comes next is just kind of overwhelming in love. It's the last request in the Lord's Prayer Guide, and it is the most encouraging, reassuring, and hopeful line in the LPG because it is a built in cry for help when we're in the deep end. It's like Jesus said, Oh, you're going to need this. Let's go out on this. The last request here. That's when you're going under gasping for air. Can't get out of it on your own. It's a built-in cry for help. And that tells you something about how our Father feels about us. Loves us. Wants to lead us. And if he can't lead us, he wants to deliver us. So let's pray this together. Emphasize the all cap words, please. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. The evil. Now, some translations say from the evil one, uh, about half. And the other half just say uh, deliver us from evil. 
Just curious, how many of you grew up saying the delivers from evil? Hands? Okay, how many of you deliver us from the evil one? Okay, well, the evil wins. Um, we've, been, we've been using the evil one because we've been going off the New King James. But, but the earliest and most original uh, uh, translations, uh, manuscripts, say literally, the evil. Uh, Young's literal translation has that. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's just uh, so much more encompassing, delivering from the evil in all its forms. So what do you say we relearn it that way, okay? We'll relearn it that way. Deliver me from the evil. Either way, either way is wrong. It's, either way, it's, you just have to see that it is a cry for our life savior whenever, wherever, and however we're caught up in the current of the current evils around us. Because you see, and I love this analogy, sin is very much like wading into the flooded, gentle, shallows, well, of a muddy, raging river, right? It's like, oh, I can wait. I, I, I've been there, and I've been under that. We can, we can wait out there. Sin is very much like wading into the flooded, gently, uh, gentle shallows of a muddy, raging river. Very easy to grossly underestimate the dangerous current, as well as the current dangers of drop-offs lurking out of sight under the murky surface, just patiently waiting to swallow you up and sweep you away. Whether, you know, it comes in all, it comes in all its various forms. I've just kind of tried to put it in three categories in a way you might remember. Whether it's something offensive that riles you or alluring that wiles you or seductive that beguiles you, the call of temptation is always the same and very simple. Wait on in. Wait on in. It'll be fine. And so we stick in our toe, oh so ignorant of that undertow. And that's when dad calls out, come away. Come away before you're swept away. And boy, what you do right there is very important. Sometimes I keep waiting. Might be something offensive that can't let that go. I got to answer back, evil for evil. And in I go. But you see, once, once we take the plunge and we're in over our head, we can no longer be led not into, but need to be delivered out of. And, and that word is wonderful. This word deliver that's in the scripture, it, it, it literally means to, to draw or pull to oneself. So draw me, pull me, Lord. And it's precisely how our life savior delivers us right on he comes after us to draw us to himself to bring us back to solid ground and understand i mean the, the fact that it's built in it's built into the to the daily prayer your cry for help it just tells us no matter how often we fail or how far we're carried away he's watching Waiting for the moment that we recognize the wrongdoing we're doing and then sincerely regret 
regret it without self-loathing, please. He doesn't want that. It's godly sorrow. And then returning to our dad. Why? Well, to reestablish our relationship and receive that life ring of grace. And even when our condition is chiefly or entirely caused by someone else, another person, our cry for deliverance is never, ever a passive prayer. Because a lot of times, boy, the, the evil that's around us is amplified or maybe uh, charged up a little by my reaction to it my response to it. Never, so this, this cry for help, even if it's coming from the evil all around me, is never a passive prayer. Paul writes, do not be overcome by evil. How? Oh, but overcome, you overcome evil with good. It's like, wait, that's how he delivers me? I got to do something? I just wanted him to you know, hoist me out. <laughs> Lift me up to the helicopter. No, no, He'll, he'll deliver us by helping us to overcome it with good. Paul also says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Whatever form the evil might take, if I allow someone else's sin to dictate or determine my response, my reaction, and I wade on in to answer evil with evil, just a little bit evil, in that moment... Whatever the evil may be, I'm not being delivered. I'm being overcome. Oh, it's just my toe. <laughs> That's the first step. I'm trading my life savior for an anchor. So don't allow someone else's sin to sink in. Hold fast. Trust. Release the anchor. Let dad deliver. The Lord says, love the scripture, this is the Lord speaking, because he, meaning they, meaning whoever, holds fast to me in love. See, you see our part in the process, right? Hold fast in love. Don't let go. That's it. Do that. And he says, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Wow. Really? That's all it takes. And of course, knows means it's genuine. He knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in the trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. Honor him. I don't think of forgiveness as being honored. God says, you don't? You don't think the creator of this universe saying that you are worthy of my forgiveness isn't an honor? You're being honored. That's how dad sees it. So father, deliver me. Deliver me, maybe first and foremost, from my pride, that's an evil, and fear, that's an evil. And help me apologize to that big jerk that I keep telling off at work. Oh, he gets on my nerves. I mean, he should apologize to me. My, my part in it is so, so small, but then he's not the one praying to be delivered. He's just floating along. Hey, okay, with him. I'm the one praying to be delivered, so I guess that responsibility falls on me. You think it's downright dumb to trade a life savior for an anchor? Well, then you should definitely lay aside 
every weight and sin, which clings so closely. In fact, let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. Cling to him, for he is your life. Cling tightly to your faith in Christ and always keep your conscience clear. For some people, I have deliberately violated their consciences and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. So I'm going to try. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. It shall not cling to me. And you know what will happen? Well, a perverse heart shall depart from me. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil, the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, planted in you, which can save you. You see, our cry for help involves our number one evil one, which isn't the devil. He needs our, remember we talked about, he needs our permission. Now, our number one evil one, which we saw a couple weeks ago, is our own, our own heart. That call's coming from the inside. And we read this, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by, well, that big old powerful undertow of their own evil desire and entice, isolated, then enticed. Then after desire, after our own evil desire has conceived it, our own evil desire, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived. So deliver me, Lord. Deliver me from being isolated and enticed and open to the evil of my own deceptive heart. That's all part of being delivered. Don't be deceived. I'm telling you, me and evil left alone in a room are going to make a sin baby. And that's true of all of you. That's true of all of us. That's why we need the the life savior standing there with us. And we need people we love and trust around us for support. And we need to be putting his word, treasuring it up in our heart. And we need to be praying every day according to the format that the Lord himself gave us. Because as, well, as he puts it, the heart, this thing, is deceitful above all things. That's why I call it the number one. And desperately wicked, who can know it? Well, here's a really good hint. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. So take advantage of that in your, in your daily prayers. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Now, they don't know they're doing it. Okay, they don't know they're doing this. Woe to those who are blind to the fact they call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. You ever hear yourself say something like, well, he had that coming. Well, she had that coming. Well, I'm just doing what anyone would do. You know that's us, right? I mean, they don't know they do that. But whenever, 
we justify even the slightest sin so that it can continue to run through our life. Even when we justify the slightest sin or deviation from pure and, and perfect truth and love, we do that. That's what we do. So how do you hope to be delivered from the evil when part of the evil comes from within? Well, stop feeding it. <laughs> stop feeding the enemy. Repay no one evil for evil. Take a stand. Overpower evil with the goodness that God himself puts in your heart. You see, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, you start getting it. You start understanding the way he thinks. Well, then discretion, you know, discernment will preserve you. That's the built-in life preserver right there. You got you to have your preserver on. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil. Well, there's another way we're delivered from evil, from the way of evil. And in all its forms, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked. You see, being delivered from the, the evil around us is, is so often... Uh, uh, it so often entails being delivered from the evil within us because so much of the evil that surrounds us personally and individually has so much to do, with, like I said, with how we're reacting, how we're responding to the evil around us that's trying to drag us downstream. And the lack of of understand, I'm interested to say the lack of God, but I mean wisdom and understanding, all the things that we were just reading about. The lack of that, of God around us, is often determined by the lack of that stuff within us, especially if we're the only believer involved in the situation, in the circumstance. Because we're the ones tasked with applying and facilitating God's love, and light, and truth as his apprentice ambassadors to any, every, and all circumstances and situations in which we find ourselves flooded. See, if our heart is not focused on bringing God's love and light and truth into a sinful situation, then there can be no deliverance from the evil in it. Because by definition, evil is the absence of God's love and light and truth and evil then can only be really, truly destroyed by the presence of God's love and light and truth. You see, evil isn't a power. It's simply the absence of power. And without God's love, light, and truth, it's like trying to avoid darkness while refusing to turn on the lights. It makes no sense. It's like trying to be delivered from the evil without holding fast in love to our one and only eternal hope and savior. But I'll tell you, I've never noticed this before. The last couple of weeks looking up these scriptures, I, I saw something I've not seen before. We can take incredible comfort in the sheer volume of, of David's psalms dedicated to crying out uh, in the midst of his enemies, the, the, the evil that's on the outside, and in the midst of that crying out for forgiveness 
for himself and the light of truth to deliver him from drowning. He obviously, in these psalms, you start, and you should go read all these in context. I'll just give you four, four separate psalms, the pieces from them. But I just wanted to show you how when he starts talking about the evil on the outside, he's, all of a sudden, you'll see, he turns it to the evil on the inside because it's part and parcel. So here we go. Psalm 69, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Those who hate me would destroy me. Oh God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hidden from you. Deliver me. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Draw near to my soul and redeem me. Psalm 25, he says, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many and they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Psalm 31, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. No, deliver me in your righteousness. Lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net, for you have considered my trouble. My strength fails because of my iniquities. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. And look at this. I love this. Why are you cast down, oh, my soul? He starts talking to his own soul. Why are you cast down, oh, my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. This final appeal in the LPG, this cry for help to be saved from the sin that is currently sweeping us away isn't supposed to be solely directed to our Savior. I think it might be the only line in the Lord's Prayer that's meant to be shared with others. You see, some sin is so overpowering that we can only make it back to the safety of the shore with the help of a buoy or a girly that our big daddy has placed around us in order to help save us. Therefore, James says, brother James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Did you wonder why in the prayer guide it's deliver us from the evil? Because you shouldn't be just praying for your own. You should be praying for others. Why? So that you may be healed. So if there, if there is a sin that's currently carrying you downstream, I would ask, have you shared it? You brought it into the light, drug that thing out of the darkness. Have you shared it with a godly friend who will not only understand, but can also offer help? You need that. We all need that. And you need to be that 
to someone else. Life's goal isn't to just not do bad things. That's, that's shallow. You know, I'm a Christian now, so I guess the goal is to stop doing so many bad things. Mm. You want to get to the end? Look back. How was your life? Well, I didn't wade too deep into too many bad things. Ooh, gross. No, life's goal is to grow into a God-glorifying lifeguard. Fishers of man don't use hooks or nets. That's what the enemy uses. No, fishers of man, you want to go fishing for, for mankind? Well, you got to use a life savior. That's how you deliver those soul survivors, by the power of our savior. So when we pray, deliver us from the evil, we're asking Jesus to pull us close and hold us tight. Reassure us. <laughs> like get us back to the shore and reassure. And resuscitate us with his spirit, his life. Not only to rescue, that's, that's just half. Don't just, don't, don't, let's not stop at just being rescued, but redeem. Redeem it. Make it worth something. Use it for your glory. Teach us from it. To deepen our devotion and our appreciation and our conviction. Conviction of what? Conviction that he alone deserves my love and trust and obedience. And boy, I'll tell you, going through one of those ringers of sin and making it out safely can sure show you that. And once safely back to shore, help us, Lord, to serve and to save and to reassure others who are in similar situations. And so, with this line of the LPG, this last request, we pray, deliver us from the evil. And then we pause to consider what that is. And we pause to consider, as Paul puts it, the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And he concludes, he says, evil is present with me. This guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, who will deliver me from this body of death. Here's a hint. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we pray, we pause, and then we personalize this line of the LPG, this built-in cry for help for whatever muddy sin is flooding in, uh, whether we're wading or drifting or drowning, as well as praying for, for the saving of those we're assisting, which I'll tell you, sometimes we just need to throw them a line, like the one we just read from Paul. It's a little encouragement. And since, since we all probably share this, we avoid feeling ashamed. We need to try to separate what I call good guilt, which is feeling bad about what I've done, and from what I'm calling sinful shame, feeling bad about who I am. So if I say to myself, man, I feel bad because I called that guy at work a you-know-what again, that's good guilt. That's appropriate. Yeah, you should feel bad about doing that. But then you take it a step too far, and your old wicked heart tells you to think this. I'm worthless. I'm worthless as a witness. 
I, I've, I've ruined it forever. That's sinful shame. That gets in the way of what God's doing in you and around you. And FYI, the worse your witness, the more powerful your potential impact when you finally allow dad to deliver you to do the right thing. Don't, don't use that as an excuse to put it off. Anchors away. Make it right. Make amends. Make dad proud. Own up to your part, however small, however minor. Be the bigger sinner. The better sinner? I, you know what I mean. Be, I'm not sure how you put that into words. Praying this won't always make the bad go away. What with a fallen world and free will and all. But I'll tell you, it sure gets the ball rolling. His dad is now allowed to dive in and get to work. Beginning in our own heart. Because as much as he's concerned with, with, with what's happening to us at any given moment, I'll tell you, he's far more concerned with what's happening in us than with what's happening to us. That's why we have to hold fast in love and trust that he's there and that he cares despite any current conditions. It's built right into the prayer. You see, sin is what I do when my heart is not satisfied with God. And in that respect, sin is diagnostic. You should look at your own sin. You should look at your sin. Why, why is that there? I put on your, you know, your doctor light. I don't know. <laughs> didn't they wear those back in the 40s? Uh, put on your uh, stethoscope and diagnose your own sin. It might be an expression of loneliness or emptiness or helplessness or power, powerlessness or etc. But whatever isness it is, sin itself is a cry for help. Which means whatever desire that we're trying to fulfill outside of his will, we need to release as the anchor. Release the anchor and replace it with a superior, healthier, all-around better design that's inside his will. And he'll grant us wisdom to discern the good from the evil. And he'll lead us back to the shore of love and light and truth. As we saw, resist the devil and he'll flee. Submit to God and he'll deliver. Well, let's memorize together what we'll personalize alone. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you. Oh,